From the Heart.org Radio, this is The Fellow's Corner. Hello, and thank you very much for tuning in to The Fellow's Corner on the Heart.org. My name is Jerry Bloomfield, and I'm a cardiology fellow at Duke City Medical Center in Durham, North Carolina. It's my pleasure today to be speaking with Dr. Thomas Gaziano, who is an assistant professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School in the Division of Cardiovascular Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital and holds a secondary appointment in the Department of Health Policy and Management at the Harvard School of Public Health. Dr. Gaziano is also the lead developed country partner for the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute Global Health Center of Excellence in South Africa, which is one of 11 centers that were recently established worldwide. Dr. Gaziano, hello, and thank you very much for joining us today. Hello, Jerry, and thank you for having me on. The topic of our conversation today is global cardiovascular disease research. In recent years, there's been a tremendous increase in the number of individuals, trainees, institutions, both nationally and internationally, interested in the changing epidemiology of developing nations, whereas chronic degenerative cardiovascular diseases were exceedingly rare in recent decades. It's now well accepted that with the aging of populations, changes in lifestyle and environment, cardiovascular diseases are projected to be among the top causes of death in all regions of the world in the near future. The need to counter this epidemic is well recognized, and global cardiovascular disease research in its many forms can impact many aspects of this problem. I think we are fortunate today to be speaking with Dr. Gaziano, who has devoted much of his career to chronic cardiovascular disease research in developed and developing countries. And I know among fellows who have a similar career interest, he is considered one of a small number of mentors for advice on how one makes a career out of this. Dr. Gaziano, your commitment to global health issues can be said is rare among academic cardiologists. Let's start off by summarizing your career path so everyone can get a feel for how it is you've gotten to where you are now. Well, first of all, I want to, again, thank you for the opportunity to address these questions and just to reiterate the importance of the problem. Cardiovascular disease, as you mentioned, not only will be, but is the leading cause of death globally. And with the only exception of Sub-Saharan Africa as a region, is the number one cause when you look at the regional level period. So the problem is huge. And obviously, I was somewhat drawn to cardiovascular disease in general because of its large burden. But I also would have to say that sometimes one's career path follows serendipity. And, you know, my advice to fellows or anybody considering this field has to recognize that you have to have a vision, but be flexible to know that, you know, your dreams can be modified and willing to take advantage of opportunities. When I originally applied for a cardiology fellowship, I knew I was interested in public health and economic analyses and cost effectiveness, but I thought I was going to be applying that more in the domestic arena in the United States. However, my wife, also a physician, was interested in a year abroad doing service in a lower middle-income setting. And so uh, I began to explore some of those areas and spent a year in between residency and fellowship. And at that time, pursued the Lancet uh, International Fellowship. And after spending that year abroad studying cardiovascular epidemiology in South Africa under the support of Professor Lyle Opie and Priscilla Stain in Cape Town and the encouragement of Dr. Brunwald, I came back saying that I wanted to apply my career in this area in developing countries rather than in the U.S., from there, after finishing fellowship, I had the opportunity to continue on at the Brigham through Dr. Peter Libby's ongoing support. And from there, continuing to follow different opportunities that came up and responding to them, again, sort of through serendipity, not clearly knowing what my path would be, both in being a participant in the Disease Controls Priority Project and then ultimately becoming interested in the Fogarty-sponsored International Research Career Development Award. 
that's sort of how I've got started on my path. So it sounds like in the beginning of your research career that the support of specific mentors was important. And I'd like to ask how you were able to gain support for your interest in developing world issues at the time you did. And not so much the financial aspects, which I, which I hope we'll get into a little bit later, but in terms of that professional mentorship, those relationships to foster a career that was relatively new at, at the time. Well, yes, and that's extremely important. Again, initially applying to the cardiology fellowship, I was trying a new path by just suggesting that I want to do more public health policy instead of traditionally looking at a particular subfield of cardiology, such as electrophysiology or, or heart failure or basic science, and was taking somewhat of a chance of saying that I would like to do more in public health policy in this area, even in the United States, and Dr. Libby was willing to accept that as a different pathway than the cardiology division. So he was very important in the beginning. Once I came back from South Africa and expressed my interest in global health, he continued to remain a large supporter and, in fact, offered me the faculty position with support even without any other career development or other fellowship support for me to start as a junior faculty member to begin this program. Other people clearly that have been remained important in my life is Lionel Opie, a professor in South Africa who I met on the Lancet International Fellowship, and he's continued to be a source of, of support both professionally and personally with regards to decisions about continuing on at various institutions or moving on in decisions about publication as well as grant applications. Other mentors who have been very important have been Srinath Reddy, in New Delhi, who I met early on while I was in South Africa, again, following serendipity and and accepting an invitation to travel to New Delhi for a global health meeting and meeting him. He's continued to offer support and serve as a mentor on my career development award. If you're choosing a path in global cardiovascular disease, you often need multiple sources of mentorship, both within your home institution's cardiovascular division, that was Peter Libby, and, and then Srinath Reddy and Lionel Opie in terms of the international context. But also you need sort of methodology support for whatever your particular area of research may be. And for me, that's Professor Milt Weinstein at the School of Public Health, who is, has been instrumental in understanding cardiovascular disease modeling and cost-effective analyses. And so that's the kind of mentorship support, um, a committee of mentorships that many people have to do in any field, but particularly in, in global health, since you're often straddling, if not two institutions, maybe more, and certainly that number of countries. That's all very well taken. I know a lot of the people who are listening uh, may be already interested in global health cardiology, but I wanted to ask for the broader population, why should U.S.-based cardiologists or trainees be interested in global cardiovascular diseases and global cardiovascular research? Well, I, I think you and Mark and your fantastic article in circulation address some of these issues very nicely, and there are many reasons why somebody might be interested in this. It may be that you're interested in, for humanitarian reasons, of helping people at lower socioeconomic status. That obviously can be found within the United States, but certainly is more prevalent in many of these low-income countries where there's gross domestic product per capita of $300 compared to $30,000. So there's stark differences in what's available. And so the humanitarian and ethical reasons are, are vast. But there's interesting research problems. And one has to be interested in the research career and the questions that they're asking. And for me, how one can control cardiovascular disease or prevent it with very limited resources was a very interesting policy and economic set of questions that I became interested in. The personal relationships that you develop overseas are obviously enriching, and those are certainly some of the personal reasons why I continue to do that. So I think that those are some of the many reasons. Plus, the burden is so large, and so anybody interested in overall health improvement has to recognize that 
80% of cardiovascular disease occurs outside of the developed countries. And so that if you're interested in, in solving the problem, as we've become more globally minded, it's been reinforced by the financial crisis that's gone, that we're affected by what goes on in different countries. And so anyone with sort of a global perspective will naturally be drawn to this topic. Now, you mentioned the policy and, and economic issues, and this gets into some of your own research. Your own approach to global health, cardiovascular disease is interesting and focuses on decision sciences and analytic modeling of the impact of risk factors on major CVD outcomes. How does that research translate into, for example, to South Africa or other developing nations which have these GDP discrepancies that we have in the U.S.? Well, it's important. Much of this research in, in this field is, and can be applied even in the United States, is we know that we have so many different tools, whether they are prevention strategies or medical therapies or invasive procedures that drastically either prevent cardiovascular diseases or control further deterioration or prevent secondary events. And we've, as a result, have been very successful at reducing the age-adjusted mortality from cardiovascular disease in half in the developed countries. And so the challenge is not just about what new therapies we need, and we continue to need advances in therapy, but what in these developing countries where they have a burden is, such as in Russia and the former Soviet nations, where it's twice the burden we have currently, is what can we learn about what was successful in the developed countries, but that won't break the bank. And so in that case, it's very applicable to say what strategies, what are the best buys, so to speak, for what's led to reductions in cardiovascular disease mortality in the developed countries that can be applied there. We looked at this already in one area in terms of just guidelines for hypertension and using methods of assessing risk for absolute risk as opposed to using just a blood pressure level to advance risk. We've also been looking at questions around how do we assess risk with low-tech strategies, not including blood draws. And so the, many of the countries, the Disease Controlled Priority Project, as a sort of a leader in this area, have, have been expressing to national governments what are potentially the best buys, as well as the WHO's general interest in that project and advising governments. So economic considerations are always going to be important, but not the only consideration. There are certainly ethical and equity reasons for making decisions about healthcare resources to be distributed across many diseases. Well, you definitely make a compelling case that there's definitely a need for this type of research and that the approaches to these problems will need to be novel in some cases. How can fellows interested in global health efforts get involved at the fellowship level? I know that you've been involved with this since after residency, and I wonder what advice and perhaps some concrete mechanisms that fellows may need to be aware of during fellowship to start a career in this. Well, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you had to have, first of all, support at your home institution from your mentors and your fellowship directors and the division in cardiology to say that, yes, we will support you in developing this career. Without that, it's very difficult to pursue the career. Secondly, you had to do know about the funding opportunities, certainly starting in fellowship and beyond in the junior faculty stage. And so the financial support mechanisms are important. And so, again, I'm grateful to the Fogarty International Center for supporting the International Research Fellowships that you're very familiar with, as well as the International Career Development Awards that can fund four years of your early career. So I think that those are important to be aware of, but that there are many other opportunities. You know, I found out about the Lancet Fellowship, which is being offered the first year from a colleague of mine, a co-resident from England who read The Lancet far more regularly than I did, to be aware of it. So you have to be seeking and willing to listen to other people's advice and, again, follow serendipity. And there are opportunities that you may not be aware of that you should explore when you're aware of it. But concretely, as a fellow now, which wasn't 
available at the time the Nazareth Fellowship is that there are several of these institutions, the Centers of Excellence that you alluded to, where there are joint sites in the United States where there are mentors and research programs now being developed for fellows to get involved with more formally. And so that you don't necessarily now have to be striking out on your own pathway, but can contact investigators at those centers and inquire about opportunities in the developing country sites to see if there's opportunities for research. For that next transition to junior faculty level, are there specific mechanisms that fellows should be aware of that could support your early faculties? You mentioned there was four years of support possible to the Fogarty Center. Yes, that's right. And that's very similar to other K awards that they offer up to four years and even renewals beyond that if it's necessary. But other organizations such as the American Heart Association is going to begin to support more of this type of research. As well as traditional mechanisms of T32, we have a T32 at the School of Public Health for people that are interested in global health issues in Eastern and Southern Africa as well. And so those are going to continue to become, I think, a larger source of resource available for fellows. I think a fellow has to come in with this with a little bit of caution and recognizing that the field is growing, but it takes some time. When this happens, the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, clearly by setting up the Centers of Excellence and supporting some of the Fogarty work, has recognized as the whole NIH that chronic diseases and research in developing countries is important. But that takes time, and it takes some effort for you to sort of sift through those particular sources and what might be best for you. I'd like to ask you about another logistical issue, because I know that people interested in this do have to confront these issues up front, as you've mentioned. And I wanted to ask about time away from your home institution. On the one hand, being on the ground is important, obviously, but on the other hand, I'm sure there are responsibilities and expectations from home. For fellows, this may be rotations, a call schedule, preparing for boards, and I'm sure there are similar, though not exactly the same, responsibilities at the faculty level. Has this been a challenge for you at any point along the way? And if so, how have you dealt with it? Well, it certainly has come with challenges, but I will say that over the last 10 years, and I recently was sort of adding this up as I was giving a talk in South Africa at the opening of our Center of Excellence, that that I've spent over two, almost two and a half years overseas in the past almost 11 years now. And that was partly to remind them of my commitment to South Africa and the research there, but also just as a reminder myself that I think that this is important. And the relationships that we've developed over time has allowed me to continue to develop these research collaborations and in other countries. I think people now in other countries recognize my commitment to the problem is strong. So that I think that it is important. We went once without children for 10 months in South Africa and went back again to India and South Africa for another year with young children. So we've had both experiences of both traveling as a young professional couple, but also as a, as a young family. And that was an enriching experience for our children and for us as a family which the kids still talk about, so that while it is challenging to move and think about different schools and to find the support for it, there's no way that I think I could be doing the research that I'm doing now without having had that time to understand what the problems are in the developing countries in particular and have an understanding of how research is conducted in those countries and have the trust of colleagues and collaborators to continue the work. Well, those are definitely issues that I know fellows are thinking about and junior faculty members are thinking about more and more around the country. I'd like to ask you, where do you think global health cardiology is going? And again, you know, for these listeners and even for myself who's coming into the field, what are the outstanding issues in global health cardiology or areas that you see in the next five or ten years need addressing? Well, 
we're still going to be spending a long time on trying to address the actual scope of the problem. While we have a pretty good sense of the overall burden from the Global Burden Disease Project, many countries still don't have very detailed epidemiology or vital registration systems to understand exact causes of death. And so as we look at wanting to get a sense of our improvements that we may be introducing, we need to be able to have some way to measure that. So there's a large area of interest in just the epidemiology of the problem. There's also going to be a significant sense of what we call implementation science, or how do we understand what mechanisms to prevent disease will work best in a developing country setting? Should we be setting up hospitals? Should we be setting up primary care centers? Should we be thinking about governmental policy decisions to affect these changes? And there's a fair amount of health services research. But there's still some questions about uh, genetics and perhaps what are the different effects of ethnic or racial groups as they interact with traditional risk factors that I think would be valuable for us to explore and, again, would give us some understanding of the problems in our own country and understanding in these other country settings. There's going to be clinical trials that are going to be conducted in these countries, and not just because there haven't been there before, but because costs are different there. And that's a realistic consideration for both governments that are supporting trials as well as pharmaceutical companies. And so that I think that there's a fair amount of research opportunities to interest people who have both basic science to clinical to epidemiological interest, and we'll have an opportunity to pursue those. It will obviously not come without uh, economic support, but I, we've seen a growing interest in developed countries, both through examples of PEPFAR and AIDS, of commitment to treating disease in other countries from a humanitarian perspective, but also from understanding the disease from a research perspective. And I think we will continue to see that shift more towards chronic disease over time. Well, Dr. Gaziano, you've offered a lot of advice and practical tips for how trainees and junior faculties can get involved in global health cardiovascular disease research, and I'd like to thank you for your time and your insights today. Well, thank you, Jerry. I appreciate it. You've been listening to The Fellows Corner on the Heart.org radio.